Welcome back to Mouthpiece. I am Savage Dan. And I'm Paulie Malanaji. And of course, as always, remember to like, comment, subscribe, ask us questions because look, there's no point having the magic man with us if we're not going to ask a certain amount of questions. You know, we, we don't have uh, boxing royalty like this everywhere. So ask the questions. Anyway, we are doing things a little bit differently today. It is Cinco de Mayo weekend and it means it's a very, very busy beat for boxing. So um, we're going to do on this day first. And on this day, May 5th, 2007, we had Floyd Mayweather Jr. against De La Hoya. Do you remember that fight well, Paulie? Yeah, yeah, I do remember it very well. Um, it's obviously it's one of the bigger fights we've had in the century. Uh, there was a big anticipation for it. Uh, Cinco de Mayo has become uh, customarily a, a, a big boxing weekend. And um, around that time was probably maybe in the few years before that was when it, that had all started to have these big events on Cinco de Mayo weekend. So Mayweather Del Hoya was the Cinco de Mayo event of that year, and um, it was a big, big fight. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. Now, I, I remember, around, obviously, there was some controversy going into the fight because Floyd Mayweather Sr. previously trained De La Hoya. And yeah. uh, obviously, it, it's a conflict of interest, I suppose. You know, he, he wanted a bit more money. Because of it, uh, De La Hoya ended up going with Freddie Roach. Yeah. And then uh, I think, I don't know if, Del, if, Mayweather, if Mayweather, was Mayweather Sr. in the corner for Oscar? I don't, I'm not sure he was. I'm no, sure. I don't if, think so. If, uh, I don't I think, think he was. I, he, he was in the stands. Uh, he, yeah, was, he, he was, was in front row somewhere. But I can remember um, there was uh, some other issues with this fight too. I remember the ring size. Mayweather had agreed to basically make, allow the ring to be 18 by 18 feet. Uh, usually it's yeah. 20 by 20 in, in, in Nevada. And yeah. uh, he had agreed contractually to fight with eight ounce gloves when usually at super welterweight, uh, because the fight was at light middle. Uh, the um, the fight is with ten ounce gloves, so I believe the yeah. the, the agreement for this fight was eight ounce gloves and an eighteen by eighteen foot ring. So I think Mayweather basically wanted to fight De La Hoya on his terms and show that he could beat him, and it wound up being a very good and competitive fight. I remember De La Hoya kind of flew out the tracks. We knew he he had to fight fast had to have a, a, a fast start i would yeah, say yeah. even though mayweather wanted to fight on on de La Hoya's terms at that time he probably didn't have any choice de La Hoya was the a-side fighter this was kind of in yeah. many ways mayweather's the the win that gave him the throne yeah yeah it's a good point it was kind of sort of the changing of the guard fight i mean mayweather had cemented himself as one of the best fighters in boxing but this was the kind of the changing of the guard for who who gets the superstar gets to be the superstar of the sport type of thing uh i remember you know at this point you know mayweather had already beaten corrales he'd beaten zab judah the year before mm -hmm. he'd beaten uh several different fighters he'd he'd uh I, I believe he'd already become the welterweight champion uh by beating carlos baldemir as well so mm -hmm. so yeah. i think there was a there was a lot there was a lot going on there um and a, a lot of a lot of good options Actually, I'm lying. The Baldemir fight, I think, happened after this. But, but he'd uh, he'd oh, he'd yeah. done a he'd done a lot already. But obviously, Oscar was the Golden Boy, and yeah. um, was still the you know the main face of boxing. And I remember Golden Boy Promotions because of Oscar's success was also booming as a company. So uh, you know it was it was a uh, it was Floyd who wanted to fight on the t these terms. But um, yeah, you're right. He may he may not have had a choice at that time. I remember this. I remember this little exchange here where there was a. Uh, you know, the whole uh, Mayweather was holding, and Oscar was kind of throwing the left hook to the body. <laughs> I remember Jim Lampley. 
<laughs> exaggerating the effect of that. You know, when you're being I remember the exact. <laughs> I, I think I, I <laughs> actually remember it. It was like, <laughs> and there's Delahoyer throwing yeah, an, like an attack, attack to the to body, the body like, that like never, never before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which was kind of overly exaggerated because when you're being held and and hitting and you don't it's basically arm punches you're throwing you know <laughs> but uh, this Delahoy was a good competitive set fight a, a, a crazy pace you know um it, it was probably something that you got to do against Mayweather if you want to unsettle him but you know down the stretch I, I, I don't know how Mayweather does it but down the stretch he seems to almost be as fresh as he is at the beginning of a fight. Yeah, because um, that, that's what Floyd really has done, learned to master well through the years, had learned to master well through the years and had, had really made him successful. Is to, you know, he, he forced his pace onto you. So you could be bringing a fast pace and he could still be on the same level as you while fighting at a yeah. slower pace, while you're fighting at a fast pace. I remember specifically uh, earlier in his career, Jesus Chavez tried this and, I, and he won the first three rounds of his fight with Mayweather by throwing over 100 punches around consistently and constantly, but it was just a pace he couldn't maintain. And by the end of the fight, he was stopped. He was stopped about halfway through that fight because he was just gassed out and Mayweather was just pounding on him, you know? So so it was, you, you basically got to have to pick your poison as to your approach with Mayweather. If you try to fight him tactically at a, at a slower pace, he's probably going to pick you apart. If you try yeah. to go at a fast pace, you may win some rounds, but then you're risking gassing out at the end and him yeah. sort of starting to pummel you and walk you down because... One thing that's underestimated about Mayweather is his ability to walk you down when he becomes when he feels superior. He's done it several times in his career. Yeah. Um, here he w he didn't do much of it uh, against the bigger man like Oscar, but still it was a good tactical fight. And Oscar really, I thought he did well in a lot of spots in this fight. So you know, did good I. Jab, yeah. Good combination punching, uh, really forcing Mayweather on on, on his heels. But um, Floyd was sharp at in no a lot point, of ways. Himself. At no point, I, I remember that combination that we're seeing now. At no point did Floyd really seem. I don't know, unhappy or, or even flustered by the amount, or by the volume of, of De La Hoya's punches. Even yeah. he, he was tidy and getting in between shots. I remember the only time I thought somebody looked possibly hurt for a second, even if it was a flash shot, was uh, when Floyd, I think probably in around round five, got in between some of uh, Oscar's shots and landed two right hands in a row. In, in, yeah, in and, the and that was the thing. Almost. When Floyd was able to get in between the Oscar's shots, he was landing the more effective shots. But, yeah. of course, Oscar was being busier. And so when, yeah. when Floyd was not able to get in between those shots, he was being outworked and losing the round. So uh, the issue with that is at Oscar's age, especially because Oscar was a little getting a little older by that point, the issue with that is going at that pace you know, eventually you're going to slow down and Floyd's going to start getting between your shots more and more, yeah. you know? And that's sort of how we saw the fight unfold. How but, did you uh, score it? But, it? but again, a good competitive fight. How, how did you score it, Paulie? Um, I, 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 if I remember correctly, I had it about 7-5 for Mayweather. Yeah. Uh, 115-113. I had it competitive, but, you know, and and, I, and people that always say, oh, well, if it's by, if it's by this, you could... You could then get just, you know, you could be wrong on one round and it'll be a draw if you're wrong on two rounds. Yeah, sometimes there are fights like that, but I felt like this fight was a pretty concrete, easier score fight, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it was pretty, you know, I, I don't think you could give Oscar more than five rounds, you know, in the fight. Um, but it was, a, a, you know, both guys showed their level and that they are levels above the, you know, at this point in, at this point in their career, still levels above uh, many of the boxing's best, if not all of boxing's best. This is the point where... Um the pace starts to drop off Oscar probably around eight, nine through to the championship rounds. And this is when Mayweather obviously begins to find a bit more range and 
a bit more space to to almost just operate like a surgeon. He started really pot shot in here. You, you, yeah, we and, didn't and ever I, see I, any any combinations really from Floyd in this entire fight. The max we saw was one twos. Um, and, yeah, and man, Floyd counts. is always. Floyd has always been a conservative guy. He doesn't make his combinations very long, you know. Is there twos and threes, maybe four at, at most, you know, or you know, but but he's keeps control of the pace of the fight and keeps control of you in the process. You know, he's consistent enough with those little shots to get keep your respect. And obviously they're subtle enough and surprising enough that you have no choice but to respect him because you know he knows how to walk you into these shots you know he's yep. very 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 creative with his with his, with the, the the shot selection and uh, the angles he uses so uh, um you know it, it, it's it's what made him effective in this fight and it's what, what made him much more effective even in other fights i mean oscar's a high level fighter so yep. obviously this was a close fight but um in other fights where guys weren't on the level of oscar you saw floyd become even more effective uh, doing these kind of things and he, sometimes even raising the amount of punches in the combination to fives and sixes but for the most part Floyd is always a, cons- a conservative guy ones and twos twos and threes threes and fours at max you know did you ever spar Floyd no no I never sparred Floyd oh, I was okay. in the discussions to go to camp with him a couple of times but never happened it's funny with Floyd me and Floyd and me and Pacquiao both uh many conversations uh both for sparring and for uh um uh, fights even you know discussions and contract negotiation for fights even but it, ne- it never uh, it never worked out that way you know it's uh, life is funny I always find I always find these more aggressive uh, like most people I guess more aggressive in sparring than he is in a fight yeah and I think that's pretty much the same for everybody I think I was the same I yeah. think most guys are the same because in sparring you have the security of the headgear you you're wearing bigger gloves so yeah. you're you know you can be more offensive minded <laughs> people um, tend to not understand the amount of of uh, entertainment you have in in big fight gyms because you know you have these high level fighters fighting in much more offensive fashion than they do in the, even in their fights. So you have some incredible sparring sessions. You'll see. I mean, I, in my days in Gleason's gym in New York and Wildcard Gym in Los Angeles, I, I was part of many top level sparring sessions, and I also was uh, privy to be able to watch so many high level sparring sessions between you know, top-level fighters and, you know, like I said, violence and uh, high-level skill, as, as we saw here in the last round, the highlights of the last round. Both guys felt they won the fight. It was close, but was. in the end, uh, F- Floyd got that decision. Well, that was on this day from May 5th, 2007, and we've also got another one from May 7th, 2005. You've just mentioned the Goose and Jim. This fight included a fighter that was trained by Joe Goosen. It was obviously Castillo against Corrales one and if you're trying to introduce anybody into boxing you're just going to show them round 10 of this fight um but this this fight was an a, an absolute barnstormer from the first bell um yeah this I didn't guy, know it, I didn't know you could go through this like this it just it was a ferocious pace the whole way through yeah, and, and neither of these guys, well, obviously both these guys are high-level world-class fighters, but neither of these guys like to fight at long range. You know, they both like yeah. to be in close. So, And they both were very, very effective in their careers at fighting in close. So you kind of realize that the potential was there for a, a barn burner kind of a fight. And that's exactly what it became because not only were they physically 
adept at fighting on the inside, but also mentally and psychologically, they're very, very strong. And, um, you know, that that me- mental superiority you want to have over your opponent, neither one would give at all, neither would give an inch at all. And so it became this sort of battle of attrition, and uh, yeah. <laughs> it sure played out in a, in a very, very entertaining fashion. It, it could have gone either way in s- at several spots in the fight. It, it looked like um, Castillo had Corrales going a, a couple of times, but I don't know what it is about him. He gets up and somehow he's he gets up yeah. stronger than he went down. Yeah, yeah, that was and that was uh, that was what these guys get, did in, in this kind of this fight, especially. You know, you thought yeah. they were you count them out, and then you, they'd be right back in the fight. One thing I do want to say about this fight, what people don't realize, these guys were absolutely done after this fight. If you watch yeah. them, and I knew that I knew that would happen too. I even, I remember yeah. even saying it to my friend when we were watching this fight. I said these guys will never be the same again, and one sure enough, they were only known in reputation after this they got a couple of other big fights after this fight yeah. because of their reputation their name reputation but in reality yeah. they were never able to perform even anywhere close to this yeah. level and were basically stopped i remember uh corrales was easily disposed of by joshua cloddy in a fight where cloddy was actually like a three to one on the dog i thought the the yeah. bookmakers dropped the ball on that one i made some good money on that fight <laughs> and then uh, i used to train in the gym with joshua cloddy and then uh, I also remember uh, Castillo with Hatton, and it's, I, I remember thinking like this is this fight's going nowhere. And I'm um, sure it was a good win on Hatton on, by Hatton on paper, but it was a it was a debilitated Castillo. And sure enough, yeah. he also didn't, didn't show much resistance, just as Corrales didn't show much resistance in the Claudi fight. Castillo didn't show much resistance in the Hatton fight as well. But um, this was the fight that really was the the yeah, the definitely. eclipse of the 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 apocalypse for them you know the this was the both the best moment of their career and the worst because it, it ultimately it brought an end to their careers at at at, uh, at the elite level it's it's one of those fights where the fans win um but yes yeah. they they leave ev- they literally left everything in the ring there it was it's, yeah. it's an outrageous fight i mean i haven't seen a jab yet it, yeah, you just they faint the jab and just throw a right hand around the side. It's just it's yeah, an and the, and, the, and, and off of that, yeah, and and off of that, they know how to work on the inside. They'll do that, and then they'll see they'll be close in cl- at close range with short shots, yeah. finding the openings, little counters even on the inside and leads on the inside. I mean, it was it was high level boxing at at, yeah. at the, at the at, on the inside, very violent pace. And these guys were known for that. You know, I remember yeah. um, k- k- uh. These guys fighting, you know, Mayweather had had beaten Corrales at this point, but then Corrales had come back with fights against, I believe, uh, I believe he'd fought Casamayor, I believe Castillo had fought Casamayor. Yep. Uh, they they they'd fought uh, they fought high level guys. Castillo had given Mayweather a lot of trouble as well. It was this, exactly they'd yeah. been in with everybody, and they'd uh, they'd always entertained, you know. Um, and uh, this fight kind of was the the perfect style clash. Look at look at the shot selection on the inside. I mean, and neither <laughs> giving an it's inch. It's ridiculous. Like, Uppercuts, hooks. Nothing straight, but nothing needs to be when you're these guys. It's it's it's. An nah, outrageous. I mean at, at that range, yeah, at that range, you've yeah. got to fight. You got to throw punches at different angles. It's just, yeah. you know, it's crazy because you know I was never this kind of fighter to want to be on the inside. Usually, if I was at that distance, I'd I'd want to, you know, extend that distance and be on the outside yeah. behind the jab. So to to be so comfortable on the inside like this, behind this violence, you know, even to me is. It's uh, a, a far-fetched decision, <laughs> uh, but, but these it's guys... Just, you just, it just requires too much bravery to sit in yeah, the Bravery, the concentration, fight. Con- bravery, concentration. You're throwing the dice because your opponent has too many, ang- too many uh, angle options, yeah. you know? Like, from the outside, you can only throw so many punches and you can, you can control with the jab. But once you're at that distance, 
your opponent can throw basically any punch he wants to. And if he throws yeah. it with enough creativity and with enough with enough deception, he can possibly land it. You know, you're you're at the yeah. mercy of every shot. Granted, you know, I guess these guys look at it like their opponent is at the mercy of their shots too. But it's just it's it's such a, a, a high concentration part of the fight to be in and, and to be in it constantly for me would just be stressing. But every we're all built differently. And these guys certainly were built of something were made of something special to uh be able to handle this kind of fight and and go through it for so many rounds like they did yeah and it's the answers I, every time someone gets hit with a shot that you're just like oh what's gonna happen here he finds an answer there's just always yep. a, a, a responding left hook or a responding uh, uppercut there's it's just a every time one of them got on top like how corrales is on top right now and it won't be long until we see him on the canvas it, it was just it was a fascinating fight honestly it was, Dude, it was. Would, a, would a referee even let a fight get this far nowadays? Would it? Would he? Um, you know that I, I think the, uh, the the mouthpiece rule where you lose a point automatically if you spit out the mouthpiece on the knockdown. Yeah. I think that came about from this fight because yeah. Corrales certainly bought himself some time spitting out the mouthpiece on the I believe the second knockdown. You yeah. know, uh, otherwise Corrales might be gone from the fight. I mean, it was smart. It was intuitive for him to do so it. So smart. Uh, but. I think um, ref I don't know if referees would so much let the fight continue, but in the in the maybe maybe not. It depends on the referee. But I'll tell you what wouldn't happen was would be you know you wouldn't get the you'd lose the, even the extra point for spitting out the mouthpiece. So you'd be yeah. losing a ten eight round ten seven, or if you lost a ten seven round with two knockdowns like Corrales is about to, it would become ten six. But yeah, you still you see know. it in, in in sneaky ways nowadays. But the Corrales literally dug into his mouth. And drag that mouthpiece out to buy himself some more time. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, and it was it was it was purposeful. I mean, it was it yeah. was smart and intuitive because at the time you didn't have the rule to, <laughs> you didn't have the rule to take away the point. So he gave himself a a, a few extra seconds break. And and I love Joe Goose and what he tells him when he comes back to the corner when he spits out the mouthpiece. As you'll probably see it Pro later. He says, "You better go get him now." It's one of, <laughs> as he's it's watching one out the, the mouthpiece. <laughs> One of the biggest moments that you see, you know, like if, if you're just to put in a highlight reel of things that have happened in boxing in a yeah. ring, that is one of them. Yeah. That is just, it's yeah. just, we haven't even got there yet in the fight, but we're talking about it already. It literally was almost like Corrales needed to hear that exact and sentence. And there's the first knockdown. Yeah. There's the first knockdown of the round. I mean, it was a good shot. I mean, Corrales Very went down. Shot. And this is after, you got to understand, this is a knockdown after a high paced, high level fight. So your body cannot take as much anymore uh corrales's yeah. eye looks like it's closing there yeah and he's trying to he's trying to survive now you know i yeah. mean he's he's been in a fast-paced fight give and take affair but now he's hurt and he's trying to survive it after all this and there he goes down again look at him taking out the left hand there he, he goes on the mouthpiece so he goes small <laughs> so small <laughs> and also you know sometimes you want to breathe more you know, that mouthpiece yeah. blocks all the oxygen from getting in. So you probably was taking it out maybe to breathe. And then the Can't mouthpiece came out. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. And then uh, there was a poignant moment where Corrales, you know, is told yeah. by Goosen. There is no mercy on the part of Goosen. <laughs> yeah. He's washing out the mouthpiece and tells him, you better go get him now. And sure enough, uh, Corrales goes out there. Uh, had, after getting, I'm sure 100% that those couple extra seconds rest had helped him. And all yeah. of a sudden, he, he gets at Castillo. Lands a left hook and he manages to land a flurry 
to convince. That's a good shot by Corral. I think they started it's the whole thing. Good, I mean, and Castillo, yeah. Castillo should have probably held after that left hook. Instead, he backs yeah. up to the ropes and starts trading again, which <laughs> both shows you the mental mindset of both of these guys. It was like even holding was going to be, you know, admonishing or, or, or even holding was going to be basically submitting to your opponent. So they didn't even want, he didn't want to hold. Look, he takes yeah, that hook, he, takes that hook, a, and he backs up to the ropes. And here, you, a normal fighter, would hold and say, okay, let me get myself back together. Instead, he's trying to throw, and he gets himself knocked out in the process. <laughs> yeah, what a win. What a what fight. What a win. Listen, it, it yeah. doesn't get much better than Cinco de Mayo in boxing. It really don't. You're probably going to have five other, a long list of other great fights that happened on these days, but those are two absolutely massive ones. Mayweather pretty much fought every Cinco de Mayo, I suppose, um, for, for a few years anyway. Anyway, let's get on to the next part of this show which is the normal part of the show. Let's review the weekend reviews. I hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, we had a huge weekend of boxing just gone. Derek Chisora missed out very narrowly uh, in a split decision to Joseph Parker. What, do you, what did you make of that? He obviously thought he won, Derek, Derek Chisora. I personally thought Parker did enough, but I, I expected Parker to do more. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I think you got to credit the heavyweight division with this weekend's fights. I mean, you have uh, Parker and Chisora and Ruiz and Ariola were highly, yeah. highly entertaining fights. I mean, this is uh, these—they they clearly show these aren't bodybuilding contests. Neither guy comes in looking yeah. like an Adonis out of the four guys, but nonetheless, um, incredible, incredible fight, incredible pace by by heavyweights. Um, good skill fight, um, veteran tactics. Uh, shown by Ariola and the opposite kind of veteran tactics shown by by Chisora, really. I, I know I, I felt like we'll start with Chisora and Parker first because we're on that subject right now. But Chisora, even at his age, he he tends to throw the dice a lot. You know, usually a guy his age can't maintain a fast pace because obviously you're getting older and you're diminishing right as a fighter. But Chisora loves to start fast and then fade late. He loves to do that. He doesn't care. He doesn't think about himself like, oh, you know what? I'm getting a little older. Let me save some gas in the gasoline in the tank. He tries to get you out of there. He knows who he is. He knows who he's not. He knows who he's not. And he says, you know what? I'm going to get you out of here in the first six. If I don't get you out of here in the first six, I may slow down in the second six. Maybe even get knocked out like he did against Dillian White. But I'm going to go. I'm going to throw my dice. I'm going to shoot my shot. You know, I'm not going to be gun shy here. And he makes for entertainment. You know, Parker, I felt like, uh, you know, had the better shot selection, the, the sharper combinations. But Chisora was on him like white on rice. I mean, he was on him constantly. You know, like it, like it was this, it was just kept him working, kept him occupied. Uh, uh, Chisora has that weird overhand right that I think got, the, got him a knockdown in, the, in round one yeah. and remained dangerous all throughout the fight. I mean, I don't even, I don't know. To me, it's not that deceptive, but it lands. Somehow it lands. You know, he knocked out Spilka with it badly. He dropped Parker with it. It's a dangerous, dangerous shot. And mainly, the most impressive thing about Chisora is he's always game. No matter what, at his age, he's, he's still game. He still comes to win, and he shows up to win every time. And I think there's going to be... There's always uh, uh, an underappreciation for guys like this later on, mm -hmm. you know, but the boxing historians, the boxing fans always tend to remember them. I, I think of a guy like Jerry Quarry in Ali's era, you know, he wasn't yeah. never, was never able to really turn the corner, but he was always dangerous. He was a good puncher. Yeah. He even knocked out Ernie Shavers in one round, and Shavers was a guy who had a knockdown over Ali when they fought, you know, but Quarry was a guy, you know, rugged guy, entertaining guy, but could never quite turn the corner, but he was always a respectable heavyweight 
and, and everybody knew it. Everybody in that era knew it. All the fans in that era knew it. But as time goes by, decades go by, nobody really mentions Jerry Quarry. And I kind of feel the same thing is going to happen to Jazora and even uh, Ari, uh, Ariola, where respectable guys, solid guys, they've even gotten some good wins on their ledger. You know, they, they've, all the fans, every boxing fan in this generation knows those guys are somebody to deal with when you get in there. They may not have world champion on their resume, so maybe decades from now, the new boxing yeah. fans may not even think about them. But the people that watch them, you know, they're going to remember them. Those guys, man, those guys were fighters. Those guys were entertainers. Those guys always showed up and gave it a gun, gave it a go, had always their bullets and their guns and ready to shoot, you know. And, and that's what Chisora does. Chisora does that every time. Sure, he's rough around the edges. Uh, He's rugged. He, he whatever he lacks in talent, he makes up for it in effort and, and determination. And he still has it even at his age. Even despite knowing that at his age he can only give you a half a fight's worth of worth of bullets, he still gives it a go in the second half of the fight, nonetheless. Uh, sharp performance by Parker. You know, it was a close fight because yeah. of, it was Chisora's determination and Gung Ho coming forward, and Parker's sharp combinations and 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 even his sharp shots in between, which Chisora was doing at times. I love Parker's jab, really. You know, it's I think it's an uh, it's yeah. an underutilized tool. Sometimes uh, he could probably use it even more. Uh, people don't talk about it enough. It's a sharp jab. It's a lightweight type of jab. It's a welterweight type of jab. Really rubber band gunslinging type of jab. But it really does a lot of the tricks. And he's able to set up some nice sharp snappy combinations off of it, which you don't, which is, which are not the kind of combinations Chisora gets off. Chisora gets off these cumbersome big, big combinations. And and he just throws he throws them so often early in the fight that he, you kind of become overwhelmed and kind of he puts you in a defensive posture and he wins the rounds that way. But I thought the sharper combinations were thrown by Park. Parker, uh, especially in the second half of the fight, but really, really very entertaining heavyweight fight, heavyweight scrap. Yeah, good win for Parker. Obviously, uh, Andy Ruiz had to go through the same thing in, in getting off the canvas to beat Chris Ariola as well in a good fight. It was competitive, yeah. very competitive. Another another good fight, and Ariola showed the other kind of veteran tactics. You know, usually a veteran will know they don't have the energy. Chisora does know this, and he still throws everything. <laughs> but yeah. but Ariola, on the other hand, kind of knows. Okay, I'm fo- I'm I'm almost forty, or I'm forty. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna have my my budget of my shots, and I'm gonna be able to make them count when I throw them. And and if you see early on, I felt I felt like Ruiz. He was younger, so he knew he was younger. He said, let me be the boss against his old man. And Ariola was picking his shots in between Ruiz's pressure. I felt like Ruiz maybe put a little, a little too much mental pressure on himself to look good coming back from, you know, the Joshua loss and all that other stuff where he showed up fat and out of shape and he wanted to make up for it. But he was a little bit too anxious in, 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 yeah. in, in, in wanting to get off his shots. And Ariola used that game veteran mindset to, okay, he say, okay, I, ca- I can't match this guy for output, but what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, kind of throw in between him, make my shots count, you know, you use some subtle little shots. And then when he gets a little out of, comes a little out of pocket, gets a little too crazy, I'm going to th- hit him with some sharp shots. And it resulted in a second round knockdown where Ariola was in the corner, you know, Ruiz was trying to unload, and all of a sudden, Ariola caught him with a nice uh, little hook on the in between his combinations, which is funny enough because I felt like that's what Ruiz did to Joshua, you know, where Ruiz kind of threw in between. He fought in a little bit of a defensive posture against Joshua, and Joshua went for the kill, and then Ruiz punched in between him and caught him, and then, and then started rocking him, you know. And I feel like once Ariola landed that big shot in round three that got Ruiz's attention again, I felt like... Um, Ruiz sort of went in that give and take where now at times he was letting Ariola come forward and try to punch in between him and then he was also taking charge as well. Sharp, fast hands by 
Yeah. By uh, Ruiz. He's got, you know, people judge him for his weight and this and that. And mind you, he's coming in a lot lighter this time around. But he always had those fast, deceivingly fast hands. And, uh, you know, it, very deceptive. And everybody that fights him says this. But this is, again, a guy with almost 300 amateur fights. So no matter what he looked like, he knows how to use those hands. He knows how to move yeah. those hands. And um, uh, really showed a, a, a good poise in there uh, getting up off the canvas against a really, really good fighter like Ariola, who himself... Is go- I have to say, he's going to probably wind up being remembered in the mold of a Chisora where boxing mm-hmm. fans who watch this generation of boxing are going to give him respect. And, oh, you know what? This guy always came to throw down. What an entertaining fighter. What a game fighter. But ultimately, the the armchair fans of the new generation 10, 20 years from now are not going to remember guys like this because they don't have, you know, champion, world champion written after their name. But nonetheless... Uh, Highly respectable fights, uh, highly entertaining heavyweight fights over the weekend. Katie Taylor beat Natasha Jonas also in a in a, another competitive fight. I, I, a lot of people obviously had, had Katie Taylor as the favorite, and, and rightly so. But Natasha Jonas is has got very very good shape. She doesn't give much away, doesn't make very much mistakes, and because of it, she she gave um she gave Taylor all she could handle. Yeah, yeah, and Joan is another one. She's 36 years old, maybe can't can't put up the pace of, of, of a Katie Taylor, who herself is not that young, but Taylor, mm-hmm. honestly, has sharp combinations, sharp punches, but sometimes overstays her welcome in the pocket, and I think she ends up getting herself punched with some shots or walking into some shots because she's the kind of person, I remember Amir Khan kind of had this problem where you, you probably should stay in the pocket for a four-punch combination, but you stay in the pocket for a six- or seven-punch combination instead, and sometimes it gets you walked into a big shot, mm-hmm. and with Amir, it happened against uh, Danny Garcia, I remember. Yes. You know, where, you know, maybe you keep your combinations a little shorter. You can never, you're not there for the return because guys aren't just there to get hit like a punching bag and not return fire. Mm-hmm. I feel like Katie Taylor has this mentality as well where she throws a bunch of punches and she overwhelms the opponents. And if opponents are not on her level, they get overwhelmed. Yeah. Now, I thought Jonas did a good job of landing some nice counter right hooks at times, you know, from the southpaw stand, some nice check hooks, some counter hooks on, on Taylor's way in. They scored nicely. She did some good work even in combination. But in reality, what ends up happening is that, you know, she's not hitting hard enough to stop Taylor's forward momentum. So Taylor is able to outwork her. Taylor is able to do better work and throw better combinations. Uh, Yes, Jonas was able to land some good shots. But what happens? Taylor is not removed from consciousness. So now Taylor has this in her mind like, oh, I got to get this back. And she comes right back, zoops, zaps, zooms right in, gets it back and, and scores with a bunch of punches, bunch of fast, quick punches. It's her style. It works for her. Um, I think if there were some bigger punches in female boxing, she'd be more at risk. But nonetheless, she's a very good fighter. Natasha Jonas is a very good fighter. I love how the female boxing is showing more of a cerebral side more and more and more. I keep I keep yeah. talking about how this generation is the most cerebral generation as a whole for female fighters. In the old generations, you'd see maybe one or two cerebral fighters there where they were really smart at setting traps and everything. But for the most part, it was a lot of effort by the females. This yeah. time... A large majority of the female boxers are cerebral fighters, and so they've just upped their game. The entire spectrum of female boxing has upped their game tremendously. Campbell Hatton moves to 2-0 after beating his opponent as well. And and, and I guess a kind of competitive fight itself. Um, And then you also have Chris Eubank Jr. against Marcus Morrison, who it it was competitive at times, but you always had the idea that Chris Eubank Jr. was fully in control of that fight and the pace and... If he wanted to really put his foot down, he could have finished it. But Roy Jones Jr. said that he'd been working on trying to snap the jab and get some rounds in. And 
and no disrespect to the opponent, probably probably could have stopped him, but thought the rounds were valuable. Yeah, and first of all, so with Campbell Hatton, I think you know he's a work in progress. I don't think you have to yeah. rush with Campbell Hatton. Yeah. He's a he's a very his name is boxing royalty in the UK. People are always going to be curious about him. People are always going to get behind him and, and, and push him. And I think whatever experience he didn't get in the amateurs, he'll be able to get in the pros and be brought along slowly so that he can become a fighter of a certain level because there's a gold mine in the Hatton name as long as you yeah. move, move, move Campbell along the right way and let him mature pro and progress the right way. And as long as, obviously, Campbell is putting in the proper work to keep progressing in the gym as well. So, so good win for him. But, of course, yes, lots of work to do, and he's got plenty of time to do it. And if he's got the enthusiasm and passion behind his work, he'll, he'll continue to make that progress. With Eubank Jr., he's actually another one. We could have probably brought him up in the, uh, in the conversation we had last week about father-son's combinations, right, in boxing. Yeah. You know, uh, his father was an excellent fighter. And Eubank Jr., a guy who's shown different wrinkles throughout his career, um, now shows a little bit of the Roy Jones effect. I, I've never seen Eubank uh, throw so many fast combinations. Usually he's loading up a lot of big shots. Mm -hmm. um, I could see the Roy Jones effect. Obviously, there's only one Roy Jones, but I could see the little traps he's learned in the um, – in the Roy Jones gym, even that little that little touch touch with that with that left hand mm -hmm. touch and then and setting in right yeah. away. I remember it was a trap Roy uses in the nineteen eighty eight Olympics, if you remember. You know, the little the little touch out there, pam, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. and he's going like this, you know, like quick, 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 and and then shooting off the shots depending on the yeah. reaction. So you could see even the stance, the looks he was giving, you could see a Leroy Jones effect in there. And also the fact that he's taking off some some mustard off of his punches and throwing them in fast, speedy combinations and mixing up the power, you know? Um, I like what I saw out of Eubank. Uh, Morrison was, you know, probably a level beneath him, but a but game nonetheless, and he gets credit for it. But I'm curious to see the continuous progression of Chris Eubank Jr. with Roy Jones Jr. Because I, I, I liked what I saw. I, I liked the different wrinkles that I saw. And I think Eubank has the talent to keep soaking in from Roy Jones like a sponge and I really enjoy what I saw. Sometimes I do think he's a bit too enthusiastic, a la Katie Taylor. He stays in the pocket too long, and maybe when a punch a combination should be four or five, he's throwing them seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm -hmm. He's a very energetic guy. Um, he's got to be careful with better fighters that they don't start punching in between him and, and possibly getting his attention or hurting him worse with that. But nonetheless, uh, I really liked what I saw from Eubank. Um, it wasn't about being the most impressive. It was about you know showing me with the changes in your style. Not that he was a bad fighter before, but I uh, show me the improvements. And I really, really enjoyed watching uh, the, the subtle changes in his style. And I, again, I, I, I really am looking forward to how that marriage continues to grow and uh, the, the rewards Eubank Jr. Uh, reaps from it as, as well. Because I think, he's, I think he's got a lot more potential to take a lot more in from Jones. Yeah, I agree. Dimitri Bivol holds on to his world championship also after beating Craig Richards. In, a, in another fight that wasn't as straightforward as it probably may have looked on paper, Craig Richards, I, I think it's fair to say, took a while to, to get started. It maybe gave Bivol a bit too much respect. But once he started to put his foot down, he gave Bivol as much as he could handle. Yeah, I mean, a, a six foot four light heavy is not is not easy to deal with, especially when he's yeah. got some confidence. And yeah. and Bivol is a guy who likes to take away your confidence early. He starts fast. Yeah. He throws those sharp combinations, sharp shots. He's very very well schooled as as most yeah. Eastern European fighters tend to come into the ring. But nonetheless, felt like Richards. You know, maybe he he was wanted to see what Bivol. You know, this is the world champion. This is the best opponent he's ever fought, and he's a, he's a very mm -hmm. strong world champion. And he wanted to see. 
you know, kind of lay on the back foot a little bit and see what he could get out of it. And, and what he was getting out of it was, you know, he was eating leather. He was getting hit. You know, Bebo was taking command. But but Richards wasn't that he wasn't going to go away that easily. And, and little by little, as he started to show a little bit of himself and say, you know what? I'm a big, light, heavyweight guy. I, I got my own shot selection I'm going to show you. You know, we started to see some some shots that, you know, people had to give respect to. And people have people had to say, okay, you know what? This guy's this guy is somebody to deal with, and I, I've got to respect it. I like the way Richards closed out the fight. I think it's, a, it's an experience he's going to take with him. And, and I, I really look forward to seeing more of Craig Richards in the future. I really think he's got potential to, you know, elevate himself to a world championship status. He, Bivol is not just your average world champion. You know, Bivol is a very, very good world champion. And, and I thought Richards uh, handles himself, comported himself very well in the ring. And um, I, I, think he, I, I think he should rightfully take confidence from this performance, you know. Yeah. Um, nobody knew him, especially on these shores over here in the United States. Nobody knew him before this fight. And now... You know, not only do I know him, but I, I look forward to seeing him again. And 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 I I think I really think I would be surprised if Craig Richards doesn't win a world championship in his career. I really think he's got that potential yeah. as long as he's not you know pushed in the wrong direction. Sometimes you need that as a fighter, don't you? Just to know you belong amongst the world's best, and that kind of yeah. gives you extra confidence to be like, actually, I don't have to pay as much uh, as much respect as I've been paying to these fighters, yeah. and I can actually go out there and express myself. Yeah, exactly, and, and and sometimes even in a loss, you you prove yourself to that degree. Um, a la my 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 loss with Cotto, the same way. You know, it was a world championship yeah. fight. I came up short, in, but you show people, hey, you know what? I'm world class too. Let, let give me another chance at it. And I think yeah. I think with Richards, that this will be the case. And I'm telling you, he's gonna be something to deal with. That 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 height and 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 and. That height, fighting with that confidence and that style. If if he's if he fights a more confident fight, letting shots go more thoroughly, I'm telling you, I think he's gonna trouble a lot of guys. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Erisandi Lara, who we we mentioned on last week's show, uh, came back with a brutal stoppage in the first round. And t- to be fair, there was a lot of fights that night in the ring and outside of the ring. There was carnage yeah. in the crowd. That's what happens at derbies. Because at <laughs> the end of the day, Ariola Ruiz is still a derby, no, yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Um, but yeah, he returns to the ring with a, a, a big, big win. Um, and then you've also got Sonny Edwards, who who follows in the bro- in the footsteps of his brother Charlie, and is now a world champion as well. So overall, that is a good weekend of boxing that is just it's a lot of big fights a lot of fights that that matter and that were competitive and i feel like the fans really won this weekend absolutely absolutely this is a, if, if we get this kind of boxing this kind of level of boxing every weekend you know boxing can only go up that this way you know but unfortunately it's not the same every weekend but uh, very entertaining fights various styles and uh and all of them entertaining nonetheless and 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 highly skilled as well you know uh really really a pleasure to watch skill fighters fighting uh e- even in in when the fights get a little bit more violent like uh like the Chisora Parker and uh, uh Ruiz Ariola fight still a lot of skill shown in those fights and of course a lot of skill shown by you know guys like Eubank uh, uh Edwards and uh even Katie Taylor and Jonas a lot of skill fighting there um but all entertaining nonetheless it's not the same every weekend, but it probably will be the same next weekend. This weekend coming up, we have the big one. Billy Joe Saunders against Canelo Alvarez. And uh, look, this is a fight that's been brewing for a few years. It's one that we need to see. You know, it, there's, there's still some question marks over Canelo's wins. Billy Joe Saunders, it doesn't get much tougher than him. He is a top, top 
top fighter and a world champion in his own right. So, Paulie, I'm going to give you up to 60 seconds. I'm not sure if we've got a clock somewhere. Someone put a clock somewhere. To basically tell us what you're expecting from this fight and a fight prediction. I expect a good competitive fight. I expect um, Canelo to be touched by Billy Joe. Uh, you know, be a little bit befuddled at times. But I do slightly edge Canelo in the fight stylistically. I don't know, something about, you know, he probably seems a little bit more explosive to me in his shots. Billy Joe is sharp. He's uh, very clever. Um, he's a good fighter, and I think he can be confusing. But I think that Canelo has just an extra gear over him that I think probably takes him to the win. It doesn't mean I'm rooting for anybody. As a matter of fact, I, I personally like Billy Joe Saunders' style as a, a as a boxer more than Canelo's. I enjoy watching Billy Joe Saunders more, so I, I I plan on enjoying this fight and just seeing who wins. But just my take on it is, uh, I think Canelo has a slight edge in the fight. Um, but you know what's interesting? Billy Joe has never won a fight where he's not supposed to win the fight you know i mean yeah. where, where he's where he was supposed to win the fight uh, you know uh, i'm confused here but basically he's never won a fight where he robbed anybody that's what i'm saying yeah canelo i felt like has got been the beneficiary of a few decisions where he maybe he didn't deserve them so my question is would this fight be as big if canelo had taken the losses i think it shows it still should be but this is what this is the problem when people say oh uh, boxing and, and guys don't fight each other because the, the, they're scared of losses but you know they should make it like MMA where the losses don't matter okay well losses can't matter to the media and fans because this fight is a big fight no matter what I think you know and this fight person personally probably if it was done right would be Billy Joe undefeated and Canelo with maybe two three losses on his career on his, on yeah. his record and Canelo my prediction is he comes out and wins the fight and beats what would be the undefeated guy. So it would throw boxing in a tailspin nonetheless if that was the case. But nonetheless, you'd have this amazing matchup nonetheless where losses mm -hmm. didn't matter. And and if Canelo would win it against an undefeated Saunders, it would still be like, oh, wow, this is the way, this is the way MMA goes. That's exactly the way MMA goes. Then they make all these fights. So... My question for boxing fans and, and boxing media, you know, you, you complain about these fights not happening, but if both these guys didn't have this record, would this fight, would you be hyping this fight as much? Would you be as excited for this fight? Because that's the problem. The problem is not yeah. so much the fighters as much as it is you, and you don't even know. Fans, media, you. You know, that's the problem that, that gets these fighters not fighting each other. Because you, you demand the fights. You want the fights. But then as soon as somebody loses the fight, all of a sudden, they can't be part of these special kind of weekends because this is a special kind of weekend with a special kind of fight. And we're, and honestly, tell you the truth, the fight will be special regardless of the records, but it's not because of, of, of the perception. It wouldn't be because of the perception. The only reason it's special in you guys' minds is because both guys have an O on their record and you want to see the fight. It's a special fight regardless, though, and that's the problem. You don't perceive it that way. You don't sell it that way unless both guys are undefeated. And that's why boxers don't fight each other because they know what you will do when they lose. So the, the change has to come from that end more so than the fighters in my mind. I don't know what the clock says, guys. I'm pretty sure it's not 60 seconds. It's probably closer <laughs> to 180 seconds. We tried. We yeah, tried. I, I, I had to give my tantrum, man. I had to give my tantrum. It, no, you're right. A, it's, it's you're you're very correct. I, I'm expecting a... A close fight. I'm expecting Billy Joe to look good early on. I think, unfortunately for him, though, we are seeing a Canelo, a, a prime Canelo. 
which will be patient enough and and he's shown patience in his fights before and he doesn't necessarily have to look great for the first four rounds but when he decides to step on the gas he usually gets to you and it's just about whether he can break Billy Joe's heart when he does finally start getting to him but I'm going with uh, a Canelo win and to be fair and to be honest I'll, I'm probably going for a, a Canelo stoppage as well also on the undercard of that fight is Kieran Conway who is obviously an ex-boxer fighter. He was the favourite going into UB3, but he was dethroned by Derek Osazi. He's got a fight against Suleiman Sizoko, so we wish him all the best as well. And that is all we have for you this week. It's been a good one. We've, we've, we did the, the special one to watch. We've done our predictions. I think that's all for us. Paulie, have you got anything else that you want to give the fans? Nothing, nothing this week. Nothing this week. I, the, my my tidbits come to me at, at, in, in midst of conversations, and nothing came to me this week. But uh, I'm sure <laughs> as things hit me, memories and stuff like that, I'll, I'll I'll talk about them if they if they apply to the discussions we're having. We'll get them next week. Anyway, guys, like, comment, subscribe, all of that, and we'll see you next week. Yes, people. I am Savage Dan. I'm Holly Malanaji. You are watching Mouthpiece, the official boxer podcast. We are two of the most knowledgeable, two of the most charismatic, biggest personality guys in boxing. And we are two of the coolest cats talking about this <laughs> <sport> today. <laughs>